we discuss the frightening underlying truth behind quantum healing hypnosis in Dolores Cannon. Our guest discusses her deliverance and God's everlasting love and patience for those still in the New Age movement. That and a lot more all on this week's part two installment of Spirit Answers Podcast. Last week, you remember how Lauren shared with us that her grandfather was involved in the occult and her mother um, got into the New Age as well. And Lauren shared with us how these um, you know, different behaviors getting into the occult can pass down uh, paranormal types of symptoms or encounters in, uh, you know, genetically in families. Lauren and her brother both had encounters with what appeared to be shadow beings and ghosts. And Lauren described how her kids also started to have what appeared to be past life memories. And Lauren also did as well. Um, this, all these different encounters in the esoteric, supernatural, started to veer Laura off into an uh, alternate spirituality or New Age path that would then lead her to Dolores Cannon and QHHT. And I, somehow, somehow I had never heard of Dolores Cannon before, even after all of my research in reincarnation, researching past life regression. It was like this moment was saved just for me at the, that time. Um, and I just couldn't believe that I had never heard of her before. I had never known of her work before after looking her up and seeing how famous she is in the new age community and in, in um, the hypnosis community. I was just really floored. And <clears throat> so of course I bought the book and could not put it down. Uh, so what convoluted universe is, is it's the um, transcripts of some of her hypnosis sessions. Uh, she's passed away now. So, but she was this lady from Arkansas and she was just like everybody's grandma type. She was just this older lady. Everybody seemed to look up to her. Um, she was considered a pillar in the spiritual community. Um, she was very disarming because of her her demeanor. You know, she's just this nice old lady from Arkansas, you know, country lady. And um, I can go into her history a little bit more if you want, but uh, more or less her, the convoluted universe books were transcriptions of her sessions that she had had with, with clients that were went to other lives, past, past lives, parallel lives that were somehow unusual, out of the norm. Like, for example, one story that sticks out to me is that um, this the individual that she was writing about went to a lifetime where um, they were some kind of a prince or a knight or something um, in this medieval castle and they were transported away by a spacecraft. I know this sounds crazy, but um, maybe the people listening, <laughs> this doesn't sound crazy, but they were transported away on this craft and tutored by 
an enlightened being, um, an enlightened master. And given all this wisdom and knowledge, and of course, all that wisdom and knowledge that was taught to that character in that past life regression was transcribed. So then all of that knowledge and wisdom was then given to us through Dolores Cannon's books. And that, that's how all of her books are. Wow. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so, so you're reading the transcripts of past life regressions, but you are just so drawn into these stories. And given this, what seems like otherworldly knowledge and otherworldly wisdom, it's just beautiful the way that it's worded, the way that it's presented. And I'm reading this. I just devoured that first book and thinking, what if this is real? Because, you know, I started out reading it thinking, oh my gosh, this is such, there's no way. This is such garbage. You know, there's no way this is real. Even though I had read Many Lives, Many Masters already and stuff like that. Um, this just seemed, I guess, because it was coming through a human being. I don't know. Um, I had some cognitive dissonance about it at first. By the time I was finished with that first book, I the spell was cast on me. Let's just say it, say it that way. Uh, and um, I was completely sucked in. And then, but I was still thinking, there's no way I'd ever do hypnosis. It's just too dangerous. Um, again, thinking, well, that's just my Christian programming, <laughs> you know. Um, and then by the end of the second book, I knew that I was being guided to get a session, which I did, um, which was, uh, a really strange experience, but by the end of it, I knew I was being guided to learn hypnosis and to be a practitioner. And I can't really say how I knew, um, I, I just knew, uh, I, and I think a lot of people have know that feeling you just know and of course I, I wasn't being guided I felt like I was being guided divinely and there were so many synchronicities that confirmed it to me in the flesh in real life in my everyday waking life that it was just impossible to deny and I know that happens to so many people the synchronicities are just impossible to, to tune out they're impossible to deny. And I just want to go on a tangent about synchronicities really quick. Sure. And that what I've realized after having so many just draw dropping amazing synchronicities that could not have been a coincidence compared to the way that um, the Holy Spirit guides, synchronicities are very in your face and loud and in your face. The way the Holy Spirit guides is very much more um, subtle, that you really have to be in tune with Jesus Christ. You really have to be walking lockstep with him um, in order to, to be able to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And the enemy sets it up that way. He, if you, open the door for those synchronicities to be presented to you. He'll give you what you want. If you ask for a sign, he'll give you a sign and it'll be something you cannot deny. And you will begin to think 
this is the way. This is what I'm supposed to do. Even if it's completely contradictory to the word of God, it's completely contradictory to your, to the values you grew up with, or even um, what you used to think was true. You'll follow it because it's just so in your face and so unbelievable. It really does feel like the universe has conspired to send you a very personal sign. That's just for you. And that's how the enemy works. And it is very deceptive. So all of that was going on at this time when I found Dolores Cannon. And of course I felt, oh, this is just meant to be. Mm. So um, with my first hypnosis experience, um, I'm one of those that always sort of stay awake during the experience. But I do want to be I want to be very clear as far as the type of hypnosis that it is, because it is my hope that people um, looking into QHHT, whether to learn it or whether to have a session done, or God willing, any of my former colleagues or clients or friends will hear this. Um, We are talking about the type of hypnosis that I was being led into was called quantum healing hypnosis technique. It used to be quantum healing hypnosis therapy until they got into a little bit of legal trouble with the therapy. So it is technique and it's, it's QHHT for short. And then eventually I went on to learn BQH and that's beyond quantum healing. And um, I'm not going to name drop, but anybody who's listening who knows they they know who I'm you know which party is I am referring to um so QHHT you look it up on YouTube or the internet some videos are very very popular there are some pillars of that community um that put out some very popular content and there's generally a theme there's like some kind of a movement going on usually um at the time when I started in QHHT, the whole September 23rd thing was going on. Oh, and that reminds me, I want, I did want to mention about 2012. You remember when everybody was saying something was going to happen in 2012? Yeah. Because that was the end of the Mayan calendar and this and that. I mean, um, I do want to say that something did happen to me in 2012. And yeah, what was that? I, I, I don't, I can't. I don't have an explanation for it, um, but I know that something happened to a lot of people in 2012, like what we all collectively experienced as an awakening moment, a waking up moment. I It had to be some sort of orchestration by the enemy, but um, a lot of people really did experience something in 2012. Um, and for me, it was another awakening moment where things just shifted and I, I started to see things differently. Um, I started to see that the sun was white and not yellow uh, and the colors in the world looked different to me. Um, and I perceived the world differently and it felt as if I had been in a waking dream my whole life, like sort of foggy headed, sort of in between world kind of and that in 2012 I was finally awake I know that's 
that's the best that I can describe it. But I know a lot of people have that same experience. And I gained like 50 pounds. I, I'm not even lying, like in a month and a half. And they say that um, during ascension movements of the earth and with humanity, that sensitive people tend to put on a lot of weight inexplicably because they're trying to hold that vibration um, close to the earth. And that if you're, you, you'll see a lot of psychic mediums, a lot of energy workers who are overweight. And that's the explanation is that they're holding a lot of energy. Um, so I definitely felt like I dropped that in my heart to connect with somebody who's listening to this. Um, so, but by the time I got into QHHT, the whole September 23rd thing was going on. And I think that was 2016. Yeah. Um, so there was this big movement. There was some, some large uh, a worldwide waking up experience, uh, moving into another dimension, raising the vibration of humanity was supposed to happen on September 23rd. So I arrived into hypnosis just in time to be um, a part of that. Of course, nothing happened on September 23rd, 2016. <laughs> you know, Jesus didn't come back. That's what the, some people are saying. And um, our pastor was talking about that the other day that we had so many people saying that Jesus was going to come back September 23rd 2016 and he made a joke that um well can we have coffee on September 24th and we'll talk about it <laughs> but um anyway so that's what I'm saying is that there there are pillars of the community that put out a lot of content they put out videos of their sessions they write books and things like that and there's always like this this theme there's always something to get people excited and hooked in to it. Um, and there's like a buildup moment. And then when nothing happens, there's always an there's always some explanation for it. Well, the timeline shifted or uh, things changed or things changed energetically. We just, it hasn't manifested yet, things like that. Um, so I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but um, I just wanted to explain to those listening that this is this this is not um, it this movement this QHHT movement Dolores Cannon and her daughter has taken over the business that it it's got legs it's got traction I mean people really listen to what these practitioners say and they really believe what comes through people in these sessions. Um, so it was my first session as a client. It was a very strange experience, like I said. And um, what was most startling about it for me was that um, I had my eyes closed the whole time, but the whole time it, I thought that my practitioner was shining a light on my face. Wow. And she, and she wasn't. I mean, the curtains were even closed. There was not even any hardly any sunlight coming in, definitely no direct sunlight. Um, so nothing really uh, shattering came through in that session or anything. It was just um, between the light that was behind my eyes, which of course we attribute to the um, pineal gland in New Age. Um, and I had this, my body was rocking back and forth the whole time. Like, uh, 
energy. And it was like a two hour session and it felt like 20 minutes. Um, and so, did, that, did that rocking feel involuntary then? Yeah, it was involuntary. Oh. Oh. And it, it was, um, looking back on it now, I think we both know what that was, um, but we'll get to that later. And uh, I just knew, like I said, I just knew that I was to become a practitioner. And I mean, anybody listening to my voice right now can tell I, I don't have a voice for hypnosis. I really don't. Um, it's high, it's shrill. <laughs> I, um, I, it, the way that I speak naturally is kind of with a halted uh, tone and, and cadence. And that's not, that's not conducive to hypnosis at all. Um, so it was, you know, I felt like it was kind of weird that I was being guided to do hypnosis. Um, but I went through with it. The first portion was online and I just devoured it. I was so ready to learn. And I got my 15 voluntary um, clients and practiced on them. Uh, the first one was my very best friend and she ended up being a somnambulist which means that she when she went under she was completely out she didn't remember anything she didn't know what she said she had no recollection whatsoever of what she said or what happened so the very first session that I did with her was just stunning I mean and I'm not insulting my, my friend at all, but she, she's not a super creative person. Um, so I felt like there's no way she could have been making this up about like this fairy queen. And I was having a full on conversation through her with this fairy queen. And then in another session, um, she was the daughter of the Pharaoh and it was just these amazing stories that you just know the person you're, that is your client could not have made up. Uh, so it was very convincing. And, um, and, and so I rushed, yeah, go ahead. Oh, real quick. I, again, sure. I don't mean to interrupt you. I was just wondering no, so you're when, good. You're, when you're talking to the other person, then is it, their voice is still the same as their regular voice. Sometimes it changes. Hmm. Okay. In this particular case, did it change? It changes in such, and so Dolores Cannon would sometimes um, report that the voice changed entirely. Like it would go from sounding like a human female to a robot or uh, some kind of extraterrestrial. Um, that never happened to me to that extent, but people, the, the how do I say it? Um, the tone and the cadence of people's voices would absolutely change. Hmm where it would sound like you were for sure talking to somebody else. Um, uh, like when, let's see, or if they were, if they were remembering the life of, and they were a, a child, they would sound like a child. Um, it depends on, and it also depended on how deep the person went. Uh, for people that would stay lighter like myself and um, another friend that, that I have that um, I did a session with, um, not much like that would change. But if the person was a somnambulist or they went really deep, their voice 
changed. It didn't sound like it would never happen to where I was, uh, my client was a, a woman and then they sounded like a man or anything like that. But it, it was enough of a change that, and a change of the atmosphere, a change of the energy in the room. That it was uh, palpable. You could feel it. You could feel a change. Wow. That was very convincing. You would really believe that you were talking to somebody, the spirit of someone, or really the theory of it is, is that you're reaching through time and space. That's why it's called quantum. And um, you are accessing the consciousness of that being or that person um, in that time space and channel it so basically your client becomes the channel for that entity um <clears throat> so yeah a lot of weird things happened that i think would convince pretty much anybody that um, that's what was really um going on and i went to i quickly got my my round one over with and felt guided to go to level two out in um, Eureka Springs, Arkansas, which is where QHHT headquarters is. And we did it at a hotel. So we stayed at this little hotel in Eureka Springs and um, learned level two from <clears throat> Dolores Cannon's daughter, which I'm not gonna name drop on that because I don't, about legal issues and stuff like that. Let me take a drink real quick. <laughs> sure. I don't usually talk this much anymore. Okay, so I went out there and it was real weird <laughs> because, you know, in the new age community, there's all this love and light and stuff like that. And um, that's what everybody's focused on, love, light, and healing and raising the vibration of humanity and raising the vibration of the earth. And, um, Dolores Cannon's daughter was not very loving and made a lot of people in the class feel uncomfortable when they when we had questions, we were made to feel kind of stupid. Um, she of course called me out on my, on my voice. Wow. So something weird that happened while I was at training at level two. Like I said, she called me out for my voice, which in my opinion, there were other people that had not as nice voices as, as myself, but um, I felt like I was being targeted spiritually. There was a really weird energy um, in that place and I wasn't the only one to, to notice it. And somebody asked, about seeing dark shadows ever since they said, like ever since they had started practicing QHHT, they started seeing dark shadows around them. And what was that? And um, the woman leading the class said, well, that's just energy. It's just energy. Um, so something that is suppressed and hush hush is when practitioners encounter the dark during their sessions. Um, it's very taboo to talk about it. And it does happen. And there are people who sign up for, for it um, to be practitioners and get so freaked out that they never do it again. But wow. um, their posts were deleted off the forum. Um, they were 
me to feel stupid for asking questions like that in class. And um, I had a one-on-one -on -one with um, Dolores's daughter. Uh, we were to be practicing our script and then we had to read it back to her to get approval. And she, like I said, she was real weird to me and real critical of me in particular. Um, I mean, I had no explanation as to why. I feel like I'm a perfectly nice person, but for whatever reason, she kind of picked on me. And um, suddenly, so we're sitting across from each other, chair to chair. Everybody else is kind of doing their own thing because they were they were just talking amongst themselves while um, Dolores's daughter was doing one-on-ones with people. And so she's kind of looking around the room then suddenly, then suddenly she looks straight at, straight into my eyes and she says, it's your voice, use it. And then starts talking about something else. And I literally don't think she even knew that she said it. I think wow. something used her mouth to say that to me. Um, I really don't think she even knows that she said that to me. Wow, and, that's crazy. Yeah, and it was weird. And yeah. I was like, I didn't know if it was a spirit, like a, a master, a guide talking through her, or if it was the Lord was talking through her. Of course, in later in sessions, I was told, you know, and hip, through hypnosis that it was Dolores talking to me. Of course, I... It wasn't Dolores talking to me, but I mean, that, that's what I believe, that it was Dolores talking to me, that Dolores was telling me that even though I didn't have the best voice for hypnosis, um, I was encouraged to proceed because what I found out, what I later discovered through doing many sessions is that people were just, I was very successful as, as a hypnotist. And as a healer, as an energy healer, because people were comforted just by just by me, that I didn't have the best voice for it, but there was something about me that was comforting and healing to people, and that was consistently the feedback that I got. And um, I had broken away from QHHT. I had violated their rules on purpose. Me and um, some other practitioners felt that they were very uh money focused which they are uh um like i said the the vibe at the training was really weird it wasn't loving or healing or anything like that it was just later on in the training she had her boyfriend come and then she had this other practitioner come from south america that was smoking cigarettes outside and i'm, I'm not condemning people who, who smoke i'm just saying it was like all just weird uh, and so me and some other practitioners broke off and joined up with um, Beyond Quantum Healing, BQH. And I had my own little feedback area on their webpage. Um, and I had I had a lot of like five-star reviews, you know. Like by the time I had it shut down, I had 17 five-star reviews and people were seeking me out and I had requests for sessions every day. Um, I was still working, I was working part-time 
and taking care of my kids and doing sessions on the weekend. So I was gone all weekend. But um, so what was I saying? Do you have any questions about QHHD? <laughs> um, no, you're you're doing great. I again, I really appreciate all the information. That's that, and just the just the um background of what you experienced there when you were getting your training, I think is really important because I think you see that a lot of times in like new age types of, of events, big events where it's supposed to be this big conglomeration of people that are providing healing for other people. And they're supposed to be the most caring and, and, you know, quote, loving people that you can encounter. But for whatever reason, a lot of times in these types of events, there's, there's the exact energy that you're describing, which is a big contrast to what you would expect. There's a lot of, there's a lot, it just feels like very cold and very distant. And it's like, there's a lot of like pride and animosity in the air. Yeah. And uh, it's just, and I think that, that it really catches people off guard because it's the exact opposite of what you're, of what you're expecting. At least if you're, if you're aware, because you could, it's very, I think it's very easy as well. Like, especially if you're, if you've gone down so far in the new age path to, to, to become numb even to this, but I think yeah. uh, you, thankfully at this point, you, you had not gotten to that point. And so that I'm sure that that was something that um, was, was maybe even subconsciously at this point, a little bit of a, a little bit of a red flag, um, that you could kind of see maybe something was off. You just weren't exactly sure where, it was, how it fit into everything. It was a red flag. There were red flags throughout, but there's always a reason like in, 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 um, I almost hate to keep calling them new age circles. I mean, I know that's how we define them now, but when you're in it, you don't define it that way. So, right. you know, I just want to be careful how I word things for anybody that's listening, who's in it. And they're saying to themselves, well, I'm not new age. This doesn't apply to me because that was me. You know, my mom all this time was saying it's new age, Lauren, it's new age. And I'm like, nah, no, it's not. You know, this is pre-Christian. This is how people have always done things. I mean, right. there were hip, there were hypnosis centers in ancient Egypt. Um, you would go to the priest and they would put you into trance and you would get healing. I mean, it's pre-Christian. This is how people have always done things before the religion came into it. So, I mean, to me, I wasn't new age so I just want to be careful how I say things but um for lack of having a better term let's just say um you're absolutely correct I mean the the training in person was one red flag but I had also been to um conferences or met people who were supposed to be these gurus or these teachers and I know this is a little bit of a tangent, so you'll, you'll have to bring me back, but you're exactly right. The energy is not loving and welcoming as you would anticipate it to be where everybody's just like singing Kumbaya and, you know, supporting and loving each other. It's almost competitive. Um, there, there's one lady, I was at a conference in Sedona and I'm not going to say her name, but let's just say on all of her platforms, social media, YouTube. Oh, she just presents herself as this, be this beam of light. She's just this light to the world and she's smiling and uh, she just looks like she could envelop you in this beautiful hug and you feel so loved and warm. When I met this woman, she could not have been more icy. No, there was no warmth. There was, she didn't even smile. 
she didn't shake your hand. She wanted to sell you her uh, Lemurian um, jewelry, but our Atlantic jewelry or whatever it was that she was selling, but she didn't want anything to do with you as a person. Mm-hmm. And it's just so contrast to how Christianity is and how if you meet the right Christians, just how they just want to know you and love you, you know, and, yeah. and help you in life. And well, oh, that- here I am getting, getting emotional. Um, but yeah, um, there's, so, there's so many new age leaders that if you know what goes on behind the scenes, like I will call one of them out, um, Abraham Hicks and Esther Hicks. Um, after I did research on them, after I was out of all of this, she is a raging alcoholic and there is, there is, um, documented abuse of her, of her staff. And here she is on stage channeling supposedly Abraham and the conglomerate of, of beings known as Abraham and talking about manifesting your dream life and vibrating high and all this kind of stuff. And she's this uh, completely dysfunctional person behind closed doors. And that's just one example. I mean, I know of many in the new age community that, that it's like that. Yeah, it's because you, you can't, there's no, unfortunately, it comes back to that idea of seduction. You know, you, you can't um, have a spirituality where you, you just have the spiritual component to it, but there's no, there's no true accountability, like as, as to who, who you, like what you're uh, following. And um, like, there's no, there, when there's no like set foundation of what is considered to be good or, or, or not good or evil, you, it really gives you an opportunity to do whatever you want and, and treat people however you want, even if you don't realize that you're doing it because you're just getting bombarded with the spirituality with no, there's no, um, there's nothing to keep you like, uh, uh, in line in terms of like, um, the true spiritual meat of, of, of everything. Everything I think is unfortunately so geared towards the 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 one the wonder of the act of the spiritual act and it's supposed mm-hmm. to be healing but I think it's like everything else in, in, in these types of spiritualities it, it it can be quote healing for a second but it's very fleeting and uh, eventually you have to you have to face yourself uh, after this the the spiritual uh, wonder fades away and uh, you have to eventually the true so your true soul your true nature is going to come out at some point. And that is, I think, further evidence that these types of, you know, alternate spiritualities, while very, very compelling, especially at the surface level, unfortunately, don't offer the, the true heart change that, that we're, that we are all seeking, even if we don't realize that the true spiritual, like depth, the, the change that only a relationship with our, the creator of the physical and the spiritual God can offer us. Absolutely. And um, <clears throat> when you really dig into it, you find that this type of spirituality it's it's a mile wide and and an inch deep and um just like with we were saying that you know when you when an answer is provided to you there's just more questions and that's very much how how new age is or how qhht was and bqh uh, past life regression hypnosis in general because part part of the session 
the secondary part of the session is to ask questions of the person's higher consciousness or um, higher self. And often, I mean, all the time, every session, people were just left with more questions once they got answers. And all it was designed to do was to lead you further down that path of, of uh, alternative spirituality. And um, it's the same healing because that was another aspect of it. Um, so first you would do the past life regression or alternate life regression. Um, then you would do the higher consciousness, higher self conversation and ask whatever questions your client had prepared. And then you would do the healing aspect of it. And that's physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing. And it is so much like a house of cards because just like you said, um, there, there's a modicum of, of, of actual healing that takes place. And I've even made contact with some of my former clients and this is years later now and ask them, you know, were you really helped? And I keep waiting for somebody to say, you know what, I wasn't really helped, but they don't tell me that. They tell me that my, the session I did with them changed their lives and was very healing. And that's not really what I want to hear because I want to be, I want to tell them about Jesus and his, the, the, the um, completeness of the healing of Christ. Um, but that's what the enemy does is he gives you just enough to keep wetting your appetite for more. And so you might be healed in, after a session in one aspect, but then you will have something else start to go wrong in your life. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I just, oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. You're fine. I was just gonna say real quick. I pre, I really appreciate you bringing that up because it's true. It's like a it's like a band aid that can fix a certain part of your life, but it does mm -hmm. lead unless you truly understand why there was a change there. Unfortunately, it leaves you open for running into something else along uh, down the road because unless you have a true understanding of of, of sin and what hurts us, which is sin and good and evil. Um, all you're, all you're doing, even if there is healing there, you're, you're providing a cure for something that is going to relieve that pain, uh, temporarily, but there's, there's, there's so many other, um, avenues that the enemy can, can then work him, himself into, into that person's life who got healed in one way. That's not going to take, that's not going to protect you from those different avenues that the enemy can work through. And these people are, are unfortunately none, none the wiser unless they have that relationship with God and understand truth. Um, so really what it's doing is I think it's very similar because I'm getting my, my master's right now in counseling. I think it's very similar to secular counseling. I think that that is, can be, can be healing. And I think it can provide some relief, but it's not going to offer any true substantial healing or a heart change, uh, because you can, you can change, you can do all the deep breathing techniques you want. Um, and that is, that's going to be relieving. That's going to provide some comfort, but it's not going to, it's not going to prevent you from walking into something else down the road that is going to then cause more, uh, uh psychological pain, um, and spiritual pain, uh, because you never, you, you, all you did was you provided some kind of a, a, a temper, a, a relief that is fleeting, um, but you didn't truly change. You, you didn't truly prevent, uh, taking anything that is preventative to prevent future events from happening to yourself that are, that are hurtful. Um, because then for, the only way you can do that, I think is to understand truth and good and evil and, and how all this works. Uh, so yeah, I really, really appreciate you bringing that up because 
I think, unfortunately, the more we go on here, the more uh, it seems like you were saying the new age becomes more mainstream. And I think that it's that that new age component is, is uh, coming into secular counseling more and more. And I think that mm-hmm. unfortunately secular counseling continues to get more and not, not, uh, I think secular counseling has its place. And I think there can be a lot of good from it, but it's never going to be a true replacement and a true cure that only a relationship with God can offer. And I think it's scary because I think many people are being sold that it is the cure. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, they're selling boxes now of like the ones you get in the mail and it's full of crystals and different new age uh, and little occultic tools and stuff that, I mean, it very, it very much is mainstream and um, you're just absolutely correct. And the, the same thing happens with meditation. And I think in, um, in counseling, people a lot of times are, are um, prescribed meditation as well uh, as a healing tool. And I noticed in my own meditation that it was, it was very much like QHHT. Like um, I'd feel good once I was, while I was in meditation, but then all of that would just fall apart as soon as I entered the real world and came out of that that trance so to speak um and so i think that happens to a lot of people and it's just they they experience enough um interest and spiritual excitement and meditation just enough to to keep them hanging on because then when they feel bad throughout the day they have to go back for more and um, they have to keep um returning to that meditative state and that really opens people's minds and and their hearts to demonic forces and to spirit oppression and attachment and um i mean i had gotten very good at meditation to the point where i was doing um this is gonna sound funny but remote exorcisms for people and when I meditated, I was able to see their spirit body and their energy body and to see where they had um, disruptions in their energy and fix it, basically. And uh, it actually did help people. Um, but what's going on, and it's with meditation and then progressing to QHHT and the hypnosis, is that now that I've had time to think about it and I can look back when you go into past life regression hypnosis or even just meditation you're making yourself into a living Ouija board um that's my best metaphor for it um that's why it's so dangerous and um that's why you know the bible cautions us to protect our minds and protect our hearts because when you drop somebody down into hypnosis, um, and these are not clinically trained people, by the way, they're just people just like me. They're just average people, which going into hypnosis um, by somebody who's not like a certified hypnotist and not a psychologist, you can inadvertently do a lot of damage to somebody. But of course that is never talked about. and when you're doing your training or anything, there's just all these phony safeguards in place, like asking a 
for a triangle or a, a, tri a, a pyramid of light to, to envelop you and your client and just asking that person's spirit guides or angels to protect them and stuff. And it's not, that's not actually a protection. I mean, I was listening to a podcast um, sometime, you know, after all this happened and she's an occultist he's not even a christian and he said when you cast a circle and you're asking for protection you're asking for protection from the very beings that you're asking to protect you i mean and that's exactly how it is in in hypnosis there there isn't anything protecting you and you know most of us here in, in the western world our parents have said never touch a ouija board you know because we all have heard the horror stories because uh, you're basically giving permission for whatever is on the other side of the veil that you can't see to contact you. And um, it takes it to a whole nother level when you're in hypnosis. It's just very dangerous. And uh, there's a lot of people that would disagree with me about that because like we said, there are people who seem to be helped. But I think that when you track that over time, there's, um, like I said, something else will go wrong in your life or there will be, you know, all it takes is one good gust of wind to blow that house of cards out over or maybe you will manifest something but then it can very easily go away and it crumbles. And then you're like back to the drawing board and you have to manifest something else and you have to go back to your vision board or like write it down or go back into your meditation and imagine exactly what you want because you're your own God and uh, you're supposed to be manifesting everything you want in your life as your own God, this life of bliss, right? And, um, <clears throat> The promises of God are yes and amen. Like they will never shatter, will never crumble. If God promises you something, that's a promise. But in the new age and with, with this new age spirituality, when those angels, quote unquote, or um, spirit guides or and ascended masters or enlightened ones are promising you things for your future through hypnosis or through meditation, it, it's deception it's lies most of the time those things never come true and i see i saw when i was part of it on our forums and i still see um from from people that i know and i sometimes like watch videos to see sort of what they're up to and see in the comments that um you know most of most of the time what your spirit guides say is going to happen doesn't happen or it doesn't happen the way they said it was going to or it quickly turns sour a very good example of that is the this whole twin flame thing or divine partnership um that uh, that goes on throughout the new age and these divine um this like divine matchmaking and people destroy marriages over it they leave their marriages for it um <clears throat> or they enter, they enter into a relationship with somebody who's supposed to be their divine match and it becomes a completely toxic and abusive situation. And uh, they still, it's completely orchestrated by the enemy. Um, and God would never leave 
like lead you into a, a situation like that. Uh, so I just went off on a long <laughs> No, no, you're fine. And, and, and I also appreciate that as well, because it just shows you how much the enemy he's all, he never has liked relationships. He'll do anything he can to target that yeah. particular aspect of people. Especially um, mar- marriages. Yes, but yes. The rate of divorce in the new age community is uh, is outrageous, and I know there are some there are some who who are together, um, married couples, and and they do all of this kind of stuff together. But a lot of times, there'll be even if they're still married, there'll be somebody on the side, or they'll be in an open relationship and practicing um, polyamory or. Um, just open relationships in general. And um, while that might make a lot of sense to somebody who's in into that sort of spirituality, like I was, um, and it didn't, that did make sense to me having more than one partner. Um, but that's not what God wants. So you can really see that when you're outside of the new age, you can see how these practices and these nudges and outright messages sometimes from people's quote unquote spirit guides, lead them away from marriage, lead them away from their families, um, lead them away from, from their parents. And there's one, there's one spiritual leader. Um, I won't, I won't name him. He's not as popular as some others, but he does have a following and he applauds people that have disowned their family because they don't, because their family has cautioned them about against this kind of spirituality, or um, they don't, their family doesn't see the value in meditation, or is not vibrating high enough, quickly enough, or like not keeping up with them on the on the enlightenment uh, journey, and they just stop talking to their families, and um, that happens. So much more often than than what you would think in the new age community relationships are disrupted so often yeah yeah it's just crazy it, it it makes me think back i can't remember exactly where i heard this but um there was an exorcist um there was an exorcist working with somebody and um performing an exorcism and he was asking this particular demon like what you know, more information about Satan. And I'm always like, I'm always like wondering if we you know how much these particular interactions with uh, demons that we can, that we can uh, adhere to because the demons are just like the enemy, you know, mm-hmm. Lucifer, they operate on lies. But I thought that this particular answer that, that this demon gave was interesting. They, they had, they were talking about Satan and, and Satan's like, uh, relationship with god and view of god and satan essentially this demon just said that satan um is is really this whole a lot of what he does is because he's so upset that he can't he can no longer even see god in heaven like he he is so distraught that he can no longer see the wonder of god and the beauty and and being god's presence that he's just like it just reminds me like, like an angry ex that's like now just going on an incredible like rage and like just going, Mm. just going crazy. And it just, and and I, and I can't help but wonder how much that particular statement is true and how much all we see like this, this war on relationships is because of that original relationship that, 
that yeah, uh, wow. Lucifer had with God. I thought that was really fascinating. Wow, it does kind of it does kind of seem like that, like a an ex on an angry jaded ex on a rampage <laughs> yeah. trying to destroy their ex's life in any way possible. Yeah, no matter yeah. how petty it it seems or immature, but yeah, yeah that is pretty weird. Yeah, I thought um, that was really crazy. So I feel like I'm rambling a lot. So let me get to where. Um, did you have any other questions about? Did QHHT or the past life regression process? Yeah, I had, I had okay. one more question there. No, okay. you're fine. And, and then we can move on to the next part of your story, which is that I was wondering, do you think that the people that um, that are putting these like seminars together, maybe not, I don't well, I guess we can include her as well, um, Dolores Cannon's daughter. Do you think that they have any idea what they're truly doing here or what they're truly messing with? Or do you think that they're also just as deceived as, as many others? Good question. I think some of them know, like, uh, we'll take, for example, John God in Brazil. Um, do you, are you familiar with him? No, I'm not. Well, he was more famous. I will use his name because he was more famous back in the, um, I think in the eighties and nineties. Um, but it came out not too long ago that he uh, is a sexual predator. And, uh, I think he's just one good example of a new age pillar. Now there's a lot of people saying, you know, oh, well, the people I know aren't like that. I know, I know, but I'm just saying like people that, that I know and knew there was always something going on behind the scenes that was very dark. Um, whether it was a sexual sin, an addiction, a relationship issue, depression, suicidal thoughts, there was always something going on that was never presented to the public um, that was very dark and insidious. Um, so on the one hand, I think there are some people who do know what they're doing and that they're purposefully deceiving and that they're, they are knowingly worshiping the dark Lord, basically, uh, the, the dark one, the enemy. And then I think that there are some plenty, lots, really do believe and you know my tribe of people that I was friends with and had the closest relationships with they really do believe that they're doing God's work they really are the kind of people that that want to help humanity and they believe that this is the way to do it um they really do believe that with all their being um and as did I and um there are people that I knew who are, you know, were a good deal more popular and more famous than, than I ever would have been. And um, sometimes I wonder, you know, if they know what they're doing, uh, um, but I don't think so. I think for the most part, I, um, there might be some really famous gurus um, who are purposefully deceptive and are evil behind closed doors and know that they are and present a holy face to the world. But I think for most new agers and new age teachers and new age um, uh, QHHT practitioners that they really, they're just as deceived as, as anybody else. And they really believe that they're doing the right thing. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I, I just wondered that uh, just because 
at, at some point, I guess that from the outside looking in, you would start to to think that eventually maybe um, there would be some cues for that person that what they're dealing with is perhaps not what they what what it seems, but also like you're getting a constant, you know, especially many of these people, money is involved and mm-hmm. um, also spir- spiritual rewards that even though we talked about are fleeting are still very compelling for people. And so I'm sure it's very hard to see through all that when you're when you're directly going through it and, and especially when you're at the top and you have all this not to mention power. Um, so yeah, uh-huh. just, just really fascinating to, to get your perspective on that. So, so I, and I it, kind of piggybacking off of, off of something that we had mentioned as well, which is meditation. I understand that that is also something that, um, uh, you kind of took and, and ran with as, as it relates to understanding that maybe some of this stuff is not as it seems, because from uh-huh. what I understand is that like you had a conversation with your mom as it relates to maybe some people that are suffering, were suffering or are suffering and how maybe meditation wouldn't be the way out of that. So can you kind of explain, and, and maybe that's not exactly directly next, but how you do uh, find out what this, what QHHT is, uh, find out what it is uh, from a truthful, like Christian perspective. And also just how you kind of come back into this relationship with God and how it relates to meditation and that conversation with your mom. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, my mom was, of course, in uh, this disapproval of this the whole time. And she and I, our relationship was not good throughout this whole time. And um, I even have it in my notes. My mom was the Holy Spirit in my life. And I was rejecting that. Like, I... We could be around each other as long as we weren't talking about spiritual things, but we often ended up in strong disagreements, and it was uncomfortable for me to be around her um, because she was holding the Holy Spirit. Um, But just like I had said, that um, in the New Age, you're so often encouraged by your spirit guides, by friends, by teachers to just reject those people in your family or friends who don't agree with you, you know? there's not really much of an emphasis on trying to make relationships work and finding common ground and and as the bible says to make peace with everybody as much as possible there's not and there's not emphasis on that um so what started happening was i mean as i look back now i can see how god was working in my life um consistently he had never completely left me i had turned my back on him he didn't turn his back on me um so that there's a big difference right there. So one of the big things that happened was um, I was in I was I was visiting some new age friends in Boston, and then um, I was going to go over to Brooklyn to see one of my longest best friends that I have had been college roommates with, and in Boston we ended up taking some edibles. Um, and I, w- I didn't really, I didn't smoke weed or anything. I mean, it was just supposed to be something that uh, got you a little bit high, but nothing serious, right? And so I had one little edible and what that turned into was the darkest experience of my life. And um, I had just been to Salem, Massachusetts that day and I had picked up some new tarot cards and um, a little souvenir from the Witch Museum that's there. And um, so when I took this edible, it just started to feel like the darkness was enveloping me. I was just, 
sucked in by darkness. Every thought that I had was the most horrible thought I've ever had. And it was just like that one, one after the other. I couldn't think of goodness. I was unable to feel love, unable to see any light. Um, so like I said, like every thought was the most horrible one. Like I was thinking, I'm going to get in a car accident and I'm going to die. And I'm going to be sucked into the blackest, darkest abyss into oblivion for eternity. And every thought was like that over and over and over again. And uh, it felt like a million demons were trying to get at me to rip me apart and honestly did. And I told the friend, you know, that I was with what was going on and um, they didn't know how to help me. And so I was just kind of stuck with this and it just kept going on and on and on. And it was so dark. It was just the dark, it was, if, if you, I don't think anybody can imagine it, which is why I think the, I think the drug blurred the lines of um, my delusion just enough for me to see, I was seeing reality. I was seeing the darkness of what I was really involved in. And um, I started to hear a voice that said, I am Jehovah God. I am the only Jehovah God. What are you doing here? You belong at home with your husband, with your family. What are these? And it's drawing attention to the terracons. Why do you have these? I am Jehovah God. I am the only Jehovah God. And it kept going on and on and on like that. And I prayed to every deity that I could think of, every one of them for help. And nobody came to help me. And uh, I finally called out to Christ and this, this a sliver of light broke through in my mind. And I felt this peace for just a moment. And he said, don't worry, it'll be over soon. And I finally fell asleep somehow, but that darkness stayed with me even throughout the next couple of days. And it was very strange because I then had an allergic response where my whole entire body had an allergy and I had to go to urgent care for, um, because it started moving up to my, to my mouth, my throat and stuff. Like my face was all swollen and, uh, I rapidly lost weight. I started losing weight that day. Like I, in a, in a period of a few weeks, I lost like 20 pounds. Something happened to me. And at the time I justified it as um, I was sloughing off um, negativity and darkness. Like I was up leveling or something, but really all that was was I was seeing the truth of what I was involved in. And I experienced hell that night, that complete separation from Christ, complete separation from God, from love. I could not feel love. I could not touch it. I could not sense it. I could not think a good thought. And that is eternity separated from God. But of course, I didn't put it in that context at that time. That was just um, something that, um, that was like a turning point for me, I think, where God was allowing me to see the, the darkness that I was in, but I didn't understand it as that at that time. And it was that summer that I gave up hypnosis. I had become uh, burnout on hypnosis. Um, I believe that 
it was God that led me to be burnt out on it. With my my mother's prayers were unceasing for me, um, and so I became burnt out on it, and I didn't do it anymore. And when I was in meditation, um, I forget in which chronological order it started to happen, but these are just examples. I started to see what was really going on in meditation. Um, there was one time that I was sitting on my couch meditating in the same place that I did every day. And like I said, my eyes closed, I could see with my spirit eyes. And to the left of me was standing a demon. And it was, um, it was, had great big horns that wrapped very tightly um, around the back of its skull. And it had, um, it was like dark brown, grayish skin and sort of a flat nose and small eyes. And it was, I was wearing a light blue cloak that went all the way to the floor and holding a staff. And it was just standing to the left of me on the other side of my sofa. And I saw it and it saw me that I saw it and it hid itself. It dug behind the wall and I didn't try to talk to it, but I, thought to myself you know at this point I was fairly convinced there was no evil but there was only perception there was no good and evil there was no bad and good everybody just had their different perceptions of, of life and, and energy and um that I had transcended that dualistic thinking as it were between good and evil so I wasn't thinking this thing's evil but I it was a red flag to me that why would it hide itself from me you know um, yeah. And then I had another experience where I was meditating and loudly in my mind, I heard collusion and popped my eyes open. Collusion. What do you mean collusion? What does that even mean? What are you telling me? Um, I believe that was the Holy Spirit telling me that the enemy is inspiring um, and using collusion with demonic forces to deceive me. Um, let's see, there was something else. Oh, I started to, um, I started to question, I think not doing hypnosis gave me just enough space from that energy to start to question the red flags that I had been so willing to ignore, you know? Um, so I started testing the spirits, um, you know, and you'll hear that a lot in New Age, and especially with hypnosis practitioners, they'll say, well, we, you know, always test the spirit. So they, um, my, I love my New Age people, but, you know, they take scripture out of context all the time and use it for their own purposes. So they take the context of test the spirits and they and they say, well, if, if, you know, if the energy feels loving, then you've tested the spirits, it must be okay. And there's, you know, some other tests and stuff that they use, but what the scripture means by that to test the spirits is, um, it's really a combination of things, but basically if you are to discern if it's a being that's from, from God or from the enemy, it has to acknowledge that Jesus came in the flesh. It has to acknowledge that Jesus is God. It has to acknowledge that uh, Jesus died for our sins and rose again and sits at the right hand of the Father. 
and that he is our living God, right? Um, so I started to test the, the guides that would come to me and ask them three times, is, is, um, is Jesus Lord? And I would feel the energy start to get uncomfortable, but it would say, um, it would say, well, it might say something like, well, not necessarily or possibly so, like it wouldn't really answer the question. And then I would say it, I would ask again and it would get frustrated with me. And then I would ask it again and it would poof, it would just disappear. So that was another red flag that, um, you know, let's just say hypothetically, these spirit guides and beings are neutral. Let's just, you know, pretend for a moment that what New Agers believe is true, okay? And these spirit guides are enlightened beings. Um, they should be able to say Jesus is Lord. I mean, the Bible says even the demons say that and they tremble, right? Even, even the demons know that. Um, but these beings were unable to say Jesus is Lord three times. So why wouldn't they be able to say it? Even if they didn't believe that it was true, like I can say, um, you know, I can say black is my favorite color. That's not true, but I can say it, right? So why wouldn't they be able to just say it? But they couldn't say it. Um, so that leads me actually, I'll come back to that because one of the testimonies that I saw kind of ties into that and made a huge impact on me. Um, so stuff like that started happening. And um, my uh, we were about, my husband and I were, you know, separated uh, for a period of time. Um, I was actually out in New Mexico for about five weeks with um, a friend. And things were even happening out there. Um, things that made me question, like we went into a health food store and in this health food store opened on the counters, this magazine. And it said, um, Jesus Christ will come in the clouds. Jesus is not a consciousness. And I just stood there staring at that magazine. It's like, I knew, I started to, to realize that God was speaking to me. Um, but I wanted to really, I just really wanted to reject that because I loved my beliefs. I loved my way of life. You know, I was, I was doing all of the things. I was doing meditation, tarot, channeling, uh, psychic mediumship, energy healing, crystals and, and, um, and stones and um, herbs and um, just everything. And I loved all of it. And um, so I returned home from New Mexico, broken person. Um, I'm not gonna get into all of that kind of stuff too much, but um, what you had asked me about, um, about my mom and everything, I was, I was staying with my parents. It was around the holidays and I was just gonna stay with them for a little bit until I figured out what I was gonna do basically. And um, my mom had this little book uh, forget now what it was called, um, but it's just this little book written by a nun, actually, and it was her stories of talking to street kids, and this was, this was a long time, this is an old book, 
And um, she would go and, and try to minister to street kids that were prostituting themselves. And I do mean children. Like we're talking like 10, 14 to 14, 15 years old. They were prostituting themselves. They had, um, they would tell her that they ran away from home because of the severe abuse that they endured in their own homes from their own parents and that living on the streets, prostituting themselves um, for drugs was a better existence than to live in a home where they were abused. And um, this nun would tell them about the love and, and grace of God and minister to them and even though most of them, um, you know, and provide them a place to live and place to get clean and, and get jobs and to stay where they would be safe, so many of them didn't choose that. They chose to be on the street and to be further abused because that's, that's what they knew. Um, and it just, I just couldn't put this book down. And this is, um, and I know I had um, told you that God, it was always very gentle with me. Um, there were people in my life who were very harsh with me about the things that I believed and very judgmental and very angry about the things that had happened with my marriage and my family. And they blamed it on my beliefs and they blamed it on my new age practices. Um, God was always very gentle and, and, um, very loving and, and this is one of the ways that he used to get through to me was through this book this little book because I after reading it I had to really ask myself the tough question if I were in a position to talk to you to talk to or to try to help one of these street kids would I be telling them to meditate and vibrate themselves into a better life? Am I gonna tell these kids to create a vision board to manifest a better life for themselves? No, no. What would I tell them? That God loves them, that God can help them. God's the only one that can help them. And I would wanna be their family. Right, I get upset. Um, that's okay. That that was the most important thing in life was faith and family. I had turned my back on both. These kids didn't have anything. They didn't have their family. They didn't know God. And I knew in my heart of hearts that God was the only one that could help these kids. And I knew that there were children in the world living just like that even now, even though that book was old. And my heart went out to them and I wanted to help them. And I think in that moment, God was really telling me that my, my mission in life was to help children like this. Because even when I was a teenager, I used to, I used to have daydreams and fantasies about helping people. And that was, that was one of the big appeals about um, about QHHT to me because I thought that was my answer to prayer. I, I thought that was God's way of, of helping me help people. And um, 
all growing up, I would just imagine that I could help, I could help people and I, I could help heal people and um, especially young people and kids and, and young mothers that were pregnant and had nowhere to go. And I used to ask God to, you know, to use me to help them, that I would do anything to help them. And I thought that QHHG had given me the ability to help people more than just be a good friend to them because that's all I was ever able to do was just to be a good friend to people. And, and learning hypnosis was going to give me a new tool to be able to help people. And it, it seemed to be that way. But what God used through this book about these children was to show me that, that he had a better way for me to help these kids and that meditation wasn't going to help them. And energy healing wasn't going to help them, and crystals wasn't going to help them, and tarot wasn't going to help them, and hypnosis wasn't going to help them. They needed the love and the mercy of Christ to help them, and that was that was a huge turning point for me. I didn't I didn't like give up the fight right then, but um, that was definitely God speaking to me in that moment and and telling me that. Um, my beliefs and the way that I was doing things in the long run weren't really healing the way that um, that I had hoped that they would be and, and thought that they were. Right. And um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that's absolutely incredible and, and, and absolutely powerful and, and just an incredible contrast as well to to uh, what you were feeling from the enemy, which is always, I think you had mentioned this before as well, just as it relates to like synchronicities, just very powerful and dominant and, and like, and, and very over the top. Whereas this was, it was from God. It was always just very gentle. It was like gentle nudges and uh, you knew right. it was from God, but it was, it, and it was very powerful, uh, but it was not overwhelming you. Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. And he, he was always just with these exactly the gentle nudges and, um, so there was a period of time where my parents had gone to my to my grandmother's house. So I was at their house for a couple of days by myself and um, challenging God and yelling at him saying, well, if you are really there and you really care, then show me, you have to prove it to me. Cause I don't, I don't believe you. I don't believe that you are who you say you are. And I don't want to give up this life. And even though I was really hurting my family, I really believed that I was doing the best thing for myself. Um, and there was a lot, there was so much pain. It wasn't just new age. It wasn't just hypnosis. It was all the pain that I had been through with my husband. It was, um, uh, it was just, it was, it was a culmination of many, many things. There was a lot emotionally, psychologically, mentally, and spiritually going on. And uh, God allows us to get to that point, you know, <laughs> that's when he swoops in, um, but he allows us to get to, to where we have completely destroyed our lives before he, you know, really uh, starts amping things up as far as those nudges. Um, so I was challenging God and, you know, I was still angry at him if he did exist, you know, I really didn't. There was a part of me that knew that it was the living God talking to me. And then there was the bigger part of me that just wanted to believe about universal consciousness and just wanted to believe that love was the answer. Love, love was the truth and that we would all return 
to love, we would all return to to spirit consciousness. Um, eventually, once we were finished with this enlightenment, period of enlightenment, I really did believe that. And um, so I was challenging him and little things again happening. Like um, I had the code from my parents have a gated, live in the senior community that's gated. And um, I went through, I had to go through the gate and they weren't home. So I had to ha use this code. And I had written the code on a scrap piece of paper. So I pull out the scrap piece of paper that the code is on. And there's a scripture on the back of it that at some point I had torn out this piece of paper that my mom had typed up scripture on. And I forget now what the scripture was, but I had asked for proof. And here was this proof in my hands, you know? And um, that's just one example. Um, and it's like here in South Carolina, we have a lot of billboards and stuff that have like Jesus saves and repent of your sins and stuff. And I used to hate those billboards and I would think, why do they even do that? It's not even helping their cause at all. Now I understand why, why they do that because if people say that to themselves in their heads, it might trigger something because that's what was happening to me. I was seeing these billboards on the interstate and that name Jesus was just illuminated to me. It was like jumping off the billboard at me and um, stuff like that was happening. And um, I finally ended up going to, the holidays were over. They were absolutely a nightmare. Um, and I went to stay with my best friend um, um, closer, you know, to where my, my husband and my kids were. And um, had no idea what I was going to do. I was absolutely shattered though. I was, I missed my kids so much. Um, they were angry with me for leaving. They, um, had been, they had said that they felt disconnected from me ever since I started, um, with the hypnosis. My son admitted to seeing a demonic attachment. Um, when I had done hypnosis with him, our oldest son, he had seen a demonic attachment on me, but didn't want to scare me and didn't mention it, but he, he told my husband. Um, my husband had been dealing with a tremendous amount of spiritual warfare. He was even knocked out physically. He's a big guy. He's six, he's six feet tall, but he's, he's very broad. He would play football. He's this weight still to this day. He's very strong. He was in our bathroom. I wasn't home, obviously, but he was physically knocked out by, by presence. Um, wow. He woke up unconscious on the floor. He was in, he was involved in tremendous spiritual warfare because when I left, he had he had rededicated his life to Christ and um, repented and got himself right because he thought that I was going to be gone and that he needed to take care of the family on his own and knew he couldn't do it without God. So. He got himself right before I was gone. And um, so all of that was going on behind the scenes that I didn't even know about that was going on. And um, I was at my friend's house staying with them. And um, I was so broken that I was taking, I wasn't taking drugs, but I was taking like six ibuprofen PMs every night at like six o'clock at night, just to be able, just to sleep because I couldn't stand being awake because I was so depressed and I just missed my kids. I, my dogs didn't even want anything to do with me. And um, 
I didn't know what I was going to do, you know, and I kept praying to my angels and to my guides, you know, help me, help me, help me. And I would see these synchronicities and I would see number synchronicities and, but there was no help coming. There, there was no help for me. I mean, I felt abandoned, honestly, by them. And, um, there was one day that I was supposed to be doing some work for them, like painting something. And I, my mom sent me um, a link to an article about how the new age is Luciferian. And she had been saying stuff like that to me throughout the years, but I was like, woman, you are nuts. You're crazy. What I do is not Luciferian. We're fighting Luciferians. We're fighting all of that. Like we're all love and Luciferians are evil and we're fighting the cabal and um, that's not who we are. Uh, so I never even entertained that thought, honestly. And, but that day, for whatever reason, I opened the article and actually read it. And it was just like, everything came crumbling down and I it just, I, I don't even know how I can explain it. It's just like, I was just like, she's right. I just read the article. There's all these parallels. You know, I hadn't given much thought to Helena, um, Helena Blavatsky and, and Alice Bailey and them. Um, and the history of New Age, um, a lot of stuff, and we can come back to this later because I know this is going on really long, but a lot of stuff that I tried to research when I was in the New Age was obfuscated for me. And I believe deliberately like about the Council of Nine um, that I had contact with um, and historical figures like Helena, Helena Blavatsky and um, their connection to uh, worldwide Luciferianism, um, stuff like that. And how that whole thing really kicked off to to invite modern new age into, into the world and bringing yoga to the West from the East, all this kind of stuff. And um, a lot of that was shielded from me because I, I tried to go look for it, but I just never did find anything that was really alarming. And here is this article that just laid everything out for me. And um, I just sat there in disbelief. My friends were still asleep. So I was pretty much by myself. and. Um, God started speaking to me. He said, he said, you know, um, he was using my own tactics of being open-minded against me <laughs> because he knew, he knew what would get me. I wanted to be intellectually honest with myself and with others. And he said, he said, you know, um, you, you owe it to yourself to, to research this. That way you can tell your mother that you're not Luciferian and you can tell her why these practices that you do aren't Luciferian. So, um, you know, why don't you just investigate it more? That way you can tell her for sure you're not and here's why you're not. And I was like, you know, that's what I should do. Well, of course, I started Googling and all I found was more reinforcement that what I was doing was Luciferian yeah. and got... Yeah. Well, I, God's, go oh, ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I just wanted to say real quick, I think that's really fascinating um, that you, even at the state of, of where you were at, where you had mentioned before that you didn't necessarily even believe in good and evil, that there was still something that keyed you into the fact that Luciferianism was, was wrong. And, and I think right. it just comes back to the idea that this is really 
written on our hearts and we can try to suppress it as much as possible through these through these different uh new age you know modalities but it's it's always there and it sounds like it, even in the situation if you didn't realize it that uh you were starting to key in on that on that idea that yeah there there even if you didn't put it in that, those terms good and evil you knew mm -hmm. that there was there, that what they were doing wasn't was not um necessarily the right thing to do so i just wanted to bring that up that that is really interesting that that was uh playing a, a role here yeah, because in the new age, we do talk a lot about um, like um, rep reptilians and things like that, uh, that are, but we just believe, we don't believe they're evil. We believe they're just like deceived uh, by their own darkness and that they can be light and that they just need to be loved enough to, to find that. And that's what we believe about Luciferians, about about the cabal etc that they just need to be loved to realize that their own um loving consciousness um their vibration needed to be raised that they were just low vibration so that's how we distinguish between you know good and evil yeah um, i didn't but, mean to interrupt you go ahead it's so twisted now that i say it out loud but that is how we would think of it um and uh so yeah, I mean, I like these, you know, energies that I thought I was fighting against. I'm just working for them. It's it's very much like a left hand path, right hand path. Like magic is magic, but anybody familiar with the occult and with magic knows there's a left hand path and a right hand path. There's there's white magic and black magic, but it's all the same, and it all comes from the same source. Um, it's just a matter of like what you choose to do with it. Um, so that's what I just had just realized is that even though I am doing good, ma like white magic, it all comes from the same source and it's not God, it's a deception. Um, and if anything, the people pra practicing black magic are more aligned with reality than I am. And, um, then he says to me, um, God says to me, uh, you know, you never did watch Stephen Van Cars's testimony video. It's been a couple of years now. And literally I've, I didn't even think about Stephen Van Cars after um, the last post that I saw of his on Facebook. And that had been years before. Um, and for people who don't know who Stephen, Stephen Van Cars is, you can look up, you can go to YouTube and put Stephen Van Cars testimony. This is the testimony video that God was reminding me of. Um, years ago, I had been following him on Facebook um, when he had a blog called um, Spirit Science. And there is one called Spirit Science and Metaphysics that's, that's different, but they were friends. Um, and uh, I had read Stephen Van Cars's blogs. You know, um, they were being passed around with great frequency. He, he was making something like $40,000 a month off his blogs. Um, and he was, I think, 21 or 22 years old. And then one day I see a post on Facebook and he says, um, this is all a deception. I'm a Christian now. I've given my life to Christ. You won't see any more blog posts for me. And I unsubscribed. I said, wow, what a, uh, you know, he's really drunk the Kool-Aid. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even think about him after that. And here God brought his testimony video back to my mind. And I was like, you know, I never did watch it. And um, 
he's like, and God was, God was saying things to me like, you know, if you're going to be honest with yourself, you need to explore, at least explore what your mom is saying to you so that you can tell her, like, no, this is not what's going on. So I brought up the video, Stephen Ben Carr's video, and um, that was it. I mean, that was it. Um, suddenly, the beings that were my angels and my protectors and my spirit guides turned against me and started tormenting my mind, literally. Um, like accusing me of things in my head, yelling things at me, um, causing me to feel certain things, um, tormenting me, uh, like not physically um, yet, but tormenting my mind, clamoring, clamoring thoughts um, and doubts. And they were doing and saying anything that they could to get me off of the trajectory of Jesus Christ. And this is so common. If you listen to any, um, you know, your your listeners, um, and all, you know, so many of these stories of Jesus uh, conversion stories, they'll say that, um, you know, it, it didn't matter to the enemy which Jesus Christ you believed in, because there's a Jesus Christ in New Age too. There's a Jesus Christ in um, in Mormonism. There's, uh, you know, a Jesus Christ in Islam is a prophet. So it's like, there's a form of Jesus Christ and all these other different world beliefs. But if you start looking at Jesus Christ as God and as your savior and as the savior of mankind, they will turn on you so quick because they don't want you believing in that Jesus Christ, the true Jesus Christ. So Stephen Van Cars's video played. I'm just sitting there like crying and in disbelief and they're coming against me. And I know now, I know now that they've turned on me. And I know that what my mom said was true. And I know that Jesus is real, and that the living God is talking to me right now and that it was him. And uh, I just started letting other testimony videos play one, one after the other. And as I did that, the oppression and the demonic attacks started amping up and amping up and amping up until I finally said, God, I don't know what to do. What am, like, help me. What do I do? And he said, go right now, get under the protection of your husband. So I fled home. I didn't even take any of my stuff. And my husband wasn't home from work yet. But I laid there on, on, on the couch and just watched these testimony videos over and over again while these demons were tormenting me emotionally, mentally. Um, I think if anybody but my husband had seen me, they would have had me committed. And I, I mean that completely seriously. Um, I was having a complete mental break. And um, he got home, he didn't even know I was there. And I ran into his arms and told him what was happening. And um, he was actually prepared for it because people in his life had told him to be prepared for it um, and for the spiritual battle that would ensue if I came home. And um, so we prayed and we talked about things, um, but that was really just the beginning. And, uh, the next day, so that night, that night in bed, um, I didn't really sleep 
um, I would fall asleep and dream about demons and then wake up repenting and then fall asleep again and dream about demons and wake up repenting. And it's just like all of these sins came to my mind um, to repent of. I didn't have to think about them. They just came to my mind and I was just repenting, repenting, repenting. It was like, I finally saw my sin and, and I never had seen it before. I never had known what repent, what true repentance was like. Um, and I, I saw it, I saw it, I felt it, how it had separated me from God. And that went on all night um, until the very early hours of the morning. I had one dream in particular. There was the de demonic figure, like I had seen in meditation with the very tightly uh, wound, the tight horns and standing there in a cloak. And it was, it was not black behind, it was like standing on a, against a white screen. And it said, um, yeah, it was something like, I own you because of, um, because of the blood sacrifice. And it was just, just, um, there was no inflection. It wasn't like yelling at me or anything. It was just saying matter of factly, like, I own you. You're not getting out of this. And I didn't know what blood oath or blood sacrifice it was talking about. And I still don't really know. I could, you know, I could theorize about things, but I still don't know. And that was as clear as day. These demonic beings were telling me that um, I belonged to them. Um, that, that wasn't true. Um, and I got up that morning after this dream. My husband went to work and I got in the shower because I just felt filthy. I, I felt the filth of my sin, like from inside out. I wasn't taking a shower because I was dirty. I was taking a shower because I felt so unclean in his righteousness. When his, his, his grace and his glory and his righteousness comes, comes close to you, your sin will just feel so dirty. And so I just sat there in the shower and I said, uh, um, you know, I said, Jesus, show me, you know, what's going on. Show me what I'm dealing with. And in my mind's eye, I saw this, um, demonic entity uh, with a bulbous head and a wide grinning smile full of gnarly sharp teeth and this was actually the being that um, my son saw attached to me and my husband had seen it as well and it um, when he was engaged in prayer and spiritual warfare for me this thing laughed at him and told him that he was that um, I belonged to, to him to this demonic entity and listening to a lot of podcasts now this this grinning uh being with the jagged gnarly teeth is a common um very common amongst people who are connected to the occult and um i saw it and it was just hideous um and i looked tried to look away you know like with my the my spirit eyes and jesus said to me no look at it you ask me what you're dealing with this is what you're dealing with and I wish I could say that you know Jesus swooped in and it was all peace and love and everything was made right in the world but it wasn't it was warfare it was war I was in battle and Jesus was beside me but he wasn't trying to sugarcoat anything for me 
he said, call your husband and tell him to come home right now. You cannot handle this on your own. So I did, I jumped out of the shower. I said, can you come back? He came right back. And um, I could hardly even move. This thing was just oppressing me so much um, ter and terrorizing my mind. And uh, we drove to the church that he, that where his Bible counselor, um, the church where their offices were, and he got the key to the sanctuary and walking across the street to the sanctuary, this thing started choking my neck, started choking me from the inside out. Uh, and I started coughing and we go into the sanctuary and of course nobody's there but the janitor but um he lays me down my husband you know had me lay down on the um stage and something fell on his back from nowhere he, it was something metal it was thrown at him um that we didn't we don't even know where it came from this is a large sanctuary it would have had to have fallen a great height and if it had um, fallen from the ceiling, something hit him square in the between his shoulders on his back, a metal object. And he opens the Bible and starts saying scriptures over me. And I'm just laying there sort of outside of myself, sort of um, experiencing it uh, as a third party kind of. Um, and I think he was reading Psalms. I'm not really sure, but he just, I said, um, you know, you need to do something else. And he started just trying to cast it out in the name of Jesus. I mean, he had never done this before. He was scared to death. Like, he was scared. And this is, like I said, not the kind of guy that gets scared about stuff. But he was scared. And um, he, I started screaming. And like I said, I wasn't really in my body. I was kind of like, what is going on? You know, I don't really know what's going on. Um, I was kind of out of it. And he said that my body just contorted and my jaw opened much wider than is humanly possible. And I know that it did because I lay there thinking, my jaw really hurts. Why does my jaw hurt like this? And he said, when I screamed that my jaw opened wide enough for him to put his whole fist in it if he had wanted to. And um, I felt this thing leave me. And when it left me, I saw a vision um, in my mind's eye, all lined up like in front of me, all of these different entities and beings. Some of them are humanoids. Some of them look like goblins. Some of them look like devils. Some of them just were different different beings um and i just knew that they were the beings that inhabited the earth and around the earth and that they all served the god of this world the the enemy they were all servants of darkness and that um like all of these ideas in the new age that we have of like fairies that are light and these elemental spirits and, and things like that that are venerated they all serve satan um that was just made clear as day to me and wow. then um it wasn't necessarily over uh i had a vitriol for my husband that i cannot explain i 
venomously angry at him. Even though there was part of me that was saying, put on praise and worship music, there was another part of me that hated him. And he knew that it wasn't over. I knew that it wasn't over. But um, I looked like I had been through an ordeal. Like I was white as a ghost. I had dark, dark circles under my eyes. I had no strength. Um, so we started saying um, every morning and night, we started saying deliverance prayers together. And every time we did it, I would yawn and yawn and cough and cough um, every time. And uh, I was pretty much catatonic for a few days. I was unable to do anything. If I, if I went to the bathroom or ate anything those few days after, I don't remember doing it. Um, they were still very much tormenting me. Um, so for about a week, I just laid there watching testimony videos and I kept hearing the Lord say edification, edification, edification. And um, so I, I did that and we did deliverance prayers like that for probably a month, but the deliverance continued on after that for several, for several months. Um, there were times that, um, like one time, and it took me, let's see, that happened in January. It took me three months to have the strength to be able to work, to get, to get a job. Um, this deliverance season took all of my strength. Um, it was completely depleting. And we started going to church and everything, and God was healing me at the same time. All of those, all of the things that I tried to fix in meditation and hypnosis, God healed instantly. Um, the psychological triggers I had with my husband, he triggered me all the time. Um, I had a lot of anxieties and um, things that uh, were unpleasant between us and heart, heartbreaking. Just my, my heart was broken. And um, one day in church, I felt this warmth and feeling, it's like sensation of um, like my heart being touched and it was healed instantly. Everything that I had been trying to heal in, in meditation was God healed it instantly. And, um, but the deliverance was ongoing. It's like the more Holy Spirit that I had, because every day I woke up asking, you know, begging the Lord to fill me with his Holy Spirit, because I knew that was the only way I was going to get through the day, um, and it literally felt like, every day felt like uh, the old man was being ripped away from me, you know, um, Jesus said that we have to die to ourselves to follow him, and it literally felt like I was dying, Every day, it felt that way for months. Um, every day, I pretty much was crawling on my hands and knees to the cross because it was it was it was that tough. Um, I was I grieved the relationships that I knew would be ending. Um, I lost some really important people uh, to me. I, I grieved that. Um, I grieved 
my life, the career that I had made for myself. I grieved that I knew I would never be able to return to. I grieved my beliefs. It was like I grieved for the person that I was because she was dead. It, it really felt that way that she had died and been ripped away from me um, to make room for the, for the new person. And so during this period of deliverance, um, and the Holy, while the Holy Spirit was filling me up more and more, and God was doing these miracles in my life and in my marriage and with my family, um, it, you know, the old me was, was dying and I really felt it. I really felt like I, I had died and Christ lived in me now, but I didn't, I didn't know what that looked like. And I had a lot of, I was upset about a lot of things like what I was going to have to give up and how my life was going to change and how my beliefs would change. And God addressed all of that for me. And um, I really experienced a lot, a season of deliverance, but it was a season of miracles too. And just time alone with the Lord and, and learning how to pray again learning how to read the Bible again. I hadn't picked up my Bible for 10 years. So. Those are really powerful days because it feels like God is, is right there in the room with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It and really I, felt that way. Yeah. 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 And I feel like that's what it has to be because of everything that you had just described before that, everything, how, how painful that was and, and losing everything that you knew. Um, God is there for us in that particular in that season and he provides, but I think he also, um, which is unfortunate to go through, uh, he, he allows us to go through that just, I think as a way of really cementing into us that that is the wrong way. And, um, I, I think that unfortunately we have to go through those types of things sometimes to really, I don't know, to, to, to lack, to stay with the truth, even, you know, during the difficult times ahead, um, I think that you can always look back on that particular part of your life and say, you know, at this, even though I'm going through something difficult right now, and maybe my relationship with, with God right now, I'm, I'm upset with God for whatever reason, because it's, that still happens to, to everybody with it, who has relation, who has a relationship with God. You're not every day is going to feel like, uh, you know, a, a honeymoon, so to speak. I think you can, he, he provides that time, that really painful time. So we can look back on those, on, mm -hmm. on the days that we were, were not with him and say how, how much worse could it be right now if I didn't have God? Yep. A hundred percent. I'm, I, I wouldn't change what happened at all. I know there are some people that are delivered out of what they went through right away and, um, just continue to, you know, have these beautiful experiences with the Lord. Um, but our, our journey, you know, mine, my husband's, cause it was very much a joint effort, uh, was, um, it was, it was a battle. It was a battle for my soul. It, it really was. Um, and, but I wouldn't change it because it, it did cement in me the severity of what I was involved with. If it had been all like nice and easy, I think I would have, you know, like the Bible says, a dog returns to its vomit. I, I think I would have, I think I would have returned to the occult and the witchcraft if he hadn't let me see how dark my darkness was, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and I do believe that if my husband hadn't been in it with me, that it would have been much worse for me. 
I, my heart goes out to people who are trying to do it by themselves. Very difficult. It's difficult to leave the occult. It's difficult to go through a season of deliverance without a covering, spiritual covering, and to just do that. Um, so, how 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 about now? You look back on that period, which was, uh, from what I understand, at, at least a, like a few years ago, and mm-hmm. um, like how how has your relationship evolved with God, and and how are you doing now? Well, you know, the sanctification process is really beautiful. Um, It took, it was a very, very tough first year. Um, I had to unlearn a whole lot. And, um, but God answered all of my questions, you know, for anybody who's listening, I just, I just want you to know that none of your questions scare God. And he, if you truly seek him and want answers from him, he'll show you. He'll give you answers. Um, like, for example, I didn't understand the Trinity at all. And as a kid, I never knew who should, who was I supposed to be praying to? God, you know, God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit. And I never understood the Trinity. And um, that was one of the very first things that he got explained to me in only the way that he could have. And in that first year, what really happened was I was getting to know Jesus and I never knew Jesus before. And I I had called myself a Christian for a long time, but I never knew Christ. I never knew the person of Christ. And through this experience, now I know him intimately and I could tell you about him. I couldn't have told you about him when I was, you know, 16. I can tell you who Jesus is. I can tell you what he did for us. Um, and why God hates sin. Um, and these are all things that I had to relearn. So that was a very tough, um, learning process. And, you know, and mean, in the meantime, I had lost relationships that I cared about deeply that I, I you know, there's still I only have a couple of relationships still from that period of my life. And I think the only reason I still have those is because God plans to use them for his purpose. Um, everyone else has dropped out of my life where I had to consciously sever the relationship. And that was um, very painful. But looking back now, three years. So that was um, the day, that day that everything went down was January 5th, 2019. Um, so looking back, a few years, I can really see how, um, you know, God is so patient and he doesn't expect us to be perfect right away. I don't know why we have this idea that like, once we start following Christ, we have to be perfect. We don't. And that's why I say the sanctification process is so amazing to me because we will stumble and fall we will um, make mistakes and we will be tempted to go back to our old lives and satan will tempt us to go back to our old lives for sure and um, there was even we my husband and i got baptized at church last about a year ago now last november and um there was a lot of spiritual warfare that happened before that night before we were supposed to get baptized and so these things just show me that the enemy does not want you to follow Christ you know and um 
so that's just like the, the main thing that I had to that I had a lot to learn I just stayed in the word as much as I could I listened to tons of testimonies I even made a playlist on my um I never did delete my hypnosis YouTube channel I just changed the name a little bit so that people would know it was still me and I took down all my videos and all my content and closed my hypnosis page and everything um I made a playlist that's public of testimony videos that really made an impact on me and I know I said I was going to come back to the one of them the very first one on the on that playlist as a as a guy that he was a seeker like me and he had a um he it wasn't ayahuasca that he did it was it was something similar to ayahuasca where you go into this drug-induced tra trance and you can you have 10 questions that you can ask so this guy he had his questions and i think his final question for this entity was uh who is jesus christ and it didn't answer him it couldn't it couldn't answer like it didn't lie just like with the um my spirit guides that i asked you know is jesus lord and they, they didn't lie to me um but they couldn't answer it and this exact same thing happened with this guy um and this thing whatever this entity was answered all of his questions but could not answer who is jesus and um so that's that's on my playlist but um so yeah i just watched tons of testimony videos i really needed to uh because the enemy was constantly working on my mind and bringing doubts into my mind and like well, what about this and what about this and what about that and it was just constant it was incessant and if i didn't keep my mind and my heart full of the word and full of prayer and full of testimony and full of praise and worship music, um, I very easily could be knocked off kilter. And um, it was so bad for a couple of years that anytime I went outside of my husband's protection, like outside of the home, like if I went to visit my parents and slept there, or I went to a hotel with a friend or something and slept there, I would be tormented. I, I would have um, like night terrors and, and things happen. Um, that happened for a couple of years actually. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was an ongoing battle, but um, we're, we're in a really good place now. God fully restored our marriage. We renewed our vows last year. No, was that last year? That with COVID, like I can't remember the times anymore. <laughs> yeah, that might have been. It was two years ago now. Um, we renewed our vows and um, had the little wedding that we never had, and uh, um, God has just completely restored our marriage, completely healed everything that we had been through. I, you know. I just looking back on how much pain I was in when I was in the new age compared to God's healing, what he's done for me and my husband, it's just, it's just night and day, really. It really is. Um, mm -hmm. And restored our family, you know, my kids trust me again. Thank God. <laughs> um, so. Wow. Are, are there any more um, interactions then with like paranormal encounters or like do your kids talk about any more memories or is that all gone now as nope. well no when mm -hmm. i left 
um, my husband cleared the house. He threw away all of my new age stuff um, for me. Um, some of it he put in my trunk. And then when I returned home, I had to dispose of it. And um, eventually did. It was hard to let that stuff go. And um, but uh, no, the kids have never had another super, uh, paranormal thing happen again. Um, he and I have had a couple of little things cre creep in, but um, that's why we put a, an emphasis on praying together every morning. And, and um, for a long time, we had to pray together every night too. And we should still do that because it really does help. Um, but for the most part, no, no more of that funny business. And I have been, you know, I expected um, to not... I expected for God to take the interest in the paranormal and weird stuff away from me, but that never happened. Um, I'm still interested very much in folklore, folk tales, and the paranormal and weird things that happen to people. And um, I really enjoy like fringe topics in Christianity. And um, I feel that he is going to somehow use the, whatever I've been through and um, to put me in a place of being sort of in that fringe kind of world. Um, I, I know I'm kind of, I'm speaking in ambiguous terms here, but um, so nothing paranormal really happens anymore, but I still have a strong interest in in understanding how people interact with the spiritual. And I still have a strong interest in studying the occult, but now I study it through a biblical lens and for not to practice it, obviously, but to, um, to learn it, to learn mm -hmm. not the practices, not what people actually do, but the, and the, the spirit behind it, which is our, our enemy. Um, so now that I, you know, and if I could just, just say anything to people uh, is, is that the enemy wants to keep you from God's plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. Um, and, you know, one scripture that kept coming up for me over and over again, right after I accepted Christ was John 10, 10. And then um, Jesus came so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. And that doesn't mean having every material thing that you want, obviously, it's so that, you know, you have a more fulfilling life in Christ. When you know who you are in Christ and you're following God, he will make your path straight. And I just think of the time that I wasted. Um, really, I was gathering intel, I guess, if I can look at it that way. Because um, now, you know, I'll be getting a history degree and I feel like God is leading me into the realm of of studying folklore academically and from a scholarly perspective and writing scholarly papers. And um, so I understand it on a different level um, and from an academic level uh, more than, than I used to. So um, I just think that like how often my spirit guides had dissuaded me from going back to school and had dissuaded me from academics and um, pursuing higher education, which is what I had always wanted to do. And here I am, that that's God has led me. 
um, to do that. And hopefully, which I know he'll, he'll use it to his glory. So. Well, in a way, I think you already have, because I, I, I know that you had mentioned to me that you still like to kind of seek out like these types of uh, podcasts and like kind of the fringe, mm-hmm. like Christian podcasts and, and, and these other spiritual like podcasts so you can get an understanding of how it all works. And so I think that because of that, maybe, maybe you wouldn't have even found this podcast and had the opportunity to share your, your testimony here with everybody. So I think we can already see that, that God is, is working through that interest um, that he has for you. And, uh, and, and I'm sure that this is just the beginning, as you alluded to, that there's a lot more to come as, as it relates to what you're doing right now. And I think that's, that's really exciting. And uh, that's, it's going to be really cool. And I'm sure you're going to help a, a ton of people through your experience, both before and after uh, school. So I'm just, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing that unfold. I really appreciate that and, and the encouragement. And it really is all to, to God's glory. You know, every school day I wake up and I literally say, I am not smart enough to do this. You have to help. <laughs> and he, he definitely, he definitely has. Um, this is all, it's all about him. It's all for him. And um, I know that I went down a pretty dark and windy path but um I'm glad that I can I think there are so many Christians who have just grown up in the church and they cannot they can't really empathize with people that are still in new age or in the occult or who are practicing in witchcraft and they can tend to be kind of judgmental and I feel blessed that I can say that, you know, I know exactly how they feel. I know exactly what they're thinking and that, that I can hopefully be there for them if, you know, to answer any questions, you know, I, if anybody's still listening after all this time that <laughs> we've been talking, you know, if anybody wants to reach out to me, I'm absolutely hundred percent here for you. I will answer any questions. I will help you figure out your next step or if you want to say whatever to me, I'm, you know, I'm here for it. So. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate that. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people are still listening because it's been an absolutely fascinating and incredible and, and fulfilling, I would say, uh, testimony that you share with us. And uh, just really, very thankful for you being so gracious with your time and for sharing this, this testimony with us. And I, I know that it'll, help out a ton of people. I know that it already has, and uh, it'll help out many more here. So thank you so much for, for joining us. I really, really appreciate it. Well, you're very welcome. And thank you for, for having me on and for listening patiently. <laughs> yeah, of course. I, I really enjoyed it. Well, that is it for the show this week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in for these two parts. If anything uh, that Lauren said resonated with you and if you have any other questions, feel free to reach out to me and I can provide you her contact information just as she was saying in this episode. I know she'd be more than uh, willing to help you with any questions as it relates to QHHT or past life regression or hypnosis or anything um, as it relates to her testimony. Um, And uh, also... If you are somebody, maybe this is all new to you, this this whole Jesus thing, I always like to give people an opportunity uh, to ask God to reveal himself to uh, the audience. And um, I would ask that you do this over a period of time and that you wouldn't give up. And I guarantee you, just like Lauren did here in these two testimonies, these two parts, um, he will make himself known to you in a way that is um, 
personable to you or personal to you and uh, there will be no doubt in your mind uh, that he is he is real and he's just as he states as he is in the Bible um, if you're truly searching for uh, for him um, and uh, just want to say thank you again for taking the time to tune in and uh, for sharing this podcast uh, for liking and subscribing and for donating if you feel so led i really appreciate it well i will see you all next week i will be praying for you have a great week everybody take care bye-bye